We're back again with another episode of Rhythms of Grace. And I, I just want to point out, here we are five episodes in, and this little theme thing that plays every time was just what was preloaded on the board. <laughs> yeah, there was literally, there was no thought, no anything. It was just like, oh, there's already some intro music. We're just going to use that. That's right. So uh, That's like buying a picture frame and just keeping the picture. Right. That it's like, that couple's attractive. <laughs> We're just, we'll just leave them. I wish I had a baby that looked like that. Uh, well, this is Rhythms of Grace. My name's Nate. I'm here with our, our lead pastor of Grace Church, Sung Kim. And uh, we are in a s- season five called mm-hmm. Out of the Ashes, based on a, a sermon series we did pre-Easter, talking about how um, our lives are sort of in a constant state of resurrection. You know, we enter valleys and God brings us out of them. Sometimes that takes weeks. Sometimes it takes years. Sometimes we find ourselves in still in the valley with just a glimpse of sort of uh, the way out. But we've been uh, we've been having guests this season, which has been really fun. We've heard mm-hmm. a lot of stories and we have another one today. So yeah. do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah. So our guest today is Aaron Finn. And right. I remember you started coming to Grace even as a student, right, which was years ago. And uh, t- why don't you just begin by telling us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and uh, and then we'll get the story rolling. Hi, everyone. It feels uh, like such an honor to be on this podcast. I'm an avid listener, and um, I'll probably skip this episode because <laughs> I hate the way my voice sounds. <laughs> but besides that, I've listened to every single one. Um, as uh, Sung mentioned, my name's Erin. I am from West Bloomfield, Michigan, but I've been in Ann Arbor since fall 2013 when I came here as an undergrad and haven't been able to leave since. I'm it's almost 10 years. Ah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. I'm, I'm getting, I guess, not super close to, you know, half of my life here, but uh, half of the life I remember. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, now I'm a third-year medical student, about to start my fourth year um, at the University of Michigan Med School. I'm probably going to be applying into neurology, so I'm super excited about that. And, yeah, um, I a couple big things in my life are uh, running and uh, running in church and med school. So and that's kind of, uh, I feel like... Those are three big things in my story. So Okay. So, yeah, tell us about your life and running. Cuz yeah. you're you're more than you're, uh, just you're more than just like like I go run around the block. <laughs> but that's quite different from your experience. So don't undersell it. Let well, us let uh, us okay. know legit. Well, and let me let me say this. I just looked up um Aaron right before the podcast Uh-oh. and she has her own Wikipedia page. Are you serious? Yeah, and You're look, a celebrity, Aaron. <laughs> she she competed uh okay, she has won the 2011-2012 Michigan High School Athletic Association Division 1 state country cross country title. She is uh she's held the national high school record in the 5000 meter run indoors running 6, six 16 whatever. Uh, and, and so just the thing goes on. I, I, NCAA, Aaron is a nine-time ta- nine NCAA Division One All-American and ten-time Big Ten champion for outdoors. Uh, so this just goes on and on. There's international. She's placed eighth in the Beach to Beacon 10K. And uh, so, yeah. When, when so she now says, that you're outed, now that you can't say, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, f- I feel I, blessed that I can, like, tell, tell us tell us the spot that running had or has in your life. Yeah, so um, I grew up uh, 
playing all the sports, but was only good at them because I never got tired. Um, and so <laughs> you I just outlast <laughs> everyone else. Yeah, I would just, you know, kick the ball down the soccer field as far as I could. And um, I'd be the only one who wasn't tired by the end of the, <laughs> by the end of the field. And um, so I knew once I got into middle school, you know, that I'd start running cross country. Um, and uh, kind of since then, I've been uh, it's just been a sport that I have completely fallen in love with um, and was honestly super, super blessed to uh, uh, be able to work very hard, but also be very talented at. Um, and I had a really successful high school career and um, was fortunate to have a scholarship to run at the University of Michigan. Um, and I had pretty much a dream freshman season. I uh, won the Big Ten Cross Country Championship that fall, um, which was pretty rare for a freshman, and um, went on to help lead our team to a fourth-place finish at the NCAA Cross Country Championships, which is um, super special. Uh, the NCAA is weird, and the top four teams are actually on the podium, and so fourth place was, uh, was a podium finish for mm -hmm. our team. Um, and it was just a really, really special day. Um, kind of then fast forward through the rest of the year, I uh, won a couple indoor track titles, and I won uh, two outdoor track titles. It was just truly a dream year. And every title I won, I um, kind of built more and more confidence in running and defining myself as Erin, the Michigan runner yeah. who, you know, is leading her team to the success. Um, and along that time, uh, I – well, actually, I didn't – I never started going to, to church, really, in Ann Arbor um, when I transitioned from high school to college. I never lost my faith, per se, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I just had more important priorities than going to church on Sunday morning, whether that be long run or sleeping. Um, yeah, recovery. <laughs> I mean, that's a, yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah, both as an athlete and a college student, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> sleeping was important. Um, and so... I didn't lose my faith, but I lost the community that comes with faith. I did make one ill-fated attempt to go to church, um, uh, go to church on Sunday morning early in my freshman year, and I walked out and I saw tons of um, young women dressed, you know, head to toe, heels, nice dresses, and I was just, I was floored. I was like, wow, Ann Arbor is so filled with people of God, and I am so excited this Sunday morning to, like, go to church with all these people who are obviously also going to church. And I get to church, and none of these beautifully dressed people are there. And it wasn't until later that I realized everyone was rushing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so that was my freshman year. Uh, super successful with running, um, but not as successful in finding a church home or church community. Um did you, so you grew up in a, like, did, are your family people of faith? Like, you grew up in the church then. I did, I did. I um, was, I had a really, really great uh, uh, childhood with, uh, surrounded by a church community that really poured themselves into me, and um, I still, you know, keep in contact with my Sunday school teacher, who I just know prayed over each and every one of us growing up, and was really lucky to have... Um, just have the Lord pouring into me from so many different yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, my church did kind of fall apart uh, going into high school, so that was a little bit of the start of my losing, you know, the 
the regularity of being involved in church yeah. community, but I still um, still would go occasionally, and my family uh, also helped uh, kind of have a little bit of faith community. Mm-hmm. I don't think it, I don't think it's an uncommon story for people to go to college and sort of find themselves unmoored from faith. Even though like not even necessarily rejecting faith, but there's just like that transition there's a ton yeah. going on yeah. and it can very easily sort of slide down the priority list or the energy, you know, energy requirements. So I I don't, I don't think anybody hearing it feels surprised that that's a part of your story. Um but let's go back to so your dr- your dream your dream athletic um, season as a freshman. How did that finish out for you? Yeah, um, as I was mentioning, it it finished out really well. I uh, went on to uh, uh, kind of uh, get a few more All American finishes and um, really just was poised to lead my team into a really, really successful sophomore cross-country season. We were actually ranked number one um, in the entire nation going into that season, and I was our top finisher, and I was expected to lead the number one team in the nation to um, a number one finish. Wow. No pressure, right? I was going to say, did uh, did you experience the pressure of that, or were you sort of like riding, were you sort of like riding the wave, feeling it like unbeatable? I loved the pressure of athletics. Um, it was so I I was definitely riding the wave, and I was super stoked about um, about the opportunity and um, the thrill of the thought of winning. Um, it was really really exciting. So it was both sort of like you felt the pressure, but that like sort of drove you to like onward. Certainly. Okay. Interesting. I love like I pre-race anxiety. <laughs> really, this is so. Fu- I mean, since we we talked a little bit before the, this episode started about some of the later story, and it's just the foreshadowing here oh is yeah. it is just dripping. Yeah, uh, so this is gonna be fun. So you were excited. You were excited. Like you were feeling ready. I was. I was. And and then con- continue on with the story. Yeah, and so. Um, as I placed more and more of my identity into running, I um, kind of excessively started to train and um, wasn't necessarily treating my body right and taking in the proper rest because I just was so almost addicted to um, to obtaining the, subs- the success and winning another title and helping my team. And I actually ended up um, probably losing a little too much weight because I was training too hard and I ended up getting a couple of stress fractures in my foot. Um, And so that was honestly extraordinarily devastating when I um, felt like I was putting everything in my heart and soul into training to help win a title and um, win it, not only win a title, but uh, win a title that we were supposed to win. to you know, not even being able to walk without severe pain, um, and every little um, ounce of hope was like kind of was. How do I describe it? Um, and it wasn't just kind of like a single one-off event of pain and heartache. It just every realization um, that okay, well, maybe I can't train today. That was just a huge, uh, huge attack on my self-worth. And then 
okay, well, maybe I can't compete at this meet this weekend. That was a huge um, attack on my self-worth. And uh, I just had to, like, deal with this demon every day and every every missed practice, every missed competition uh, was just absolutely heartbreaking and um, really sent me into a terrible uh, depression. And um, looking back at it now, kind of after experiencing other things in my life, uh, I, it doesn't seem quite as, as devastating kind of from an outside perspective, but in that moment, it was the hardest thing I had ever endured mm. um, to have, have my identity taken away, my identity as a runner taken away. And um, I had no community to tell me that I was something else. Wow. Yeah, I mean, your community probably at that point was your team right? And they're all running and you're not. Um, how, how bad? So a uh, couple questions, because again, I'm not, I'm not, I've never competed at that level athletically, but is overtraining like, is that sort of common in distance runners or at, at, at an elite level? I don't know if you were kind of an outlier or if that's something that other people experience as well. It's certainly not uncommon. I am obsessive and <laughs> excessive, okay. and so I definitely took it to um, an abnormal degree, even <laughs> even among the abnormal abnormal distance runner okay. uh, stereotype. <laughs> okay. And then, how bad was your injury? When did, when did your injury occur? Was it, it was your sophomore year? You said. Yeah, sophomore year, and. Um, during this cross-country season, it probably happened a couple of weeks before the Big Ten Championship, which is the start of our postseason. And um, so, yeah, right, be right before the start of our postseason. And so I was always holding on to a little bit of hope that maybe I would get better for, you know, Big Tens or regionals or nationals. Um, but uh, every time, you know, one of those meets neared and I was really not any better. Um, oh, man. I just kind of, it was like a new dagger, dagger to the heart. Yeah. What did your, what did your team and, and coaches, how were they <laughs> communicating with you at this point? So I was honestly in such a dark hole of depression and unworthiness that I don't think anything that they could have said really would have helped me. Mm. And um, so they cer people certainly did try, um, but I was just so, I had so little kind of, how am I trying to say this? Sorry. No, it's fine. Um, I just I was just so broken, um, and my spirit was so so uh, so broken from not being able to run that I couldn't actually you know take any positive love or advice from anyone involved in the running community. Yeah. And so, no matter how wonderful they were, it just wasn't going to be the thing that filled my cup. Right, you couldn't you couldn't hear it for yeah yeah, wow. So then, was this a kind of injury where? Okay, you sustained an injury, but then your junior year you could come back, or yeah. So fortunately, this this injury um, was something that d 
did heal and okay. actually did heal completely. Uh, so <laughs> it seems kind of silly now looking back. Oh, it was one season, you know, um, I'll, I'd lose one season and uh, that was it. But um, when I was in that moment, you know, uh, as a 19 year old, um, it <laughs> it was life altering. Um you know, I was supposed to win a title as a sophomore and then come back and hopefully win a title a few more years and to miss out on on that opportunity with that team, you know, because we were going to have graduating seniors and we might not come back as strong. Um, it was it was all I could see. Um, so so what place did Michigan take that year? I think I honestly this is really bad of me, but I was in such a bad place that you don't um, even remember. I think we were 17. Oh, wow. Um, so, I mean, still not the worst showing, you know, top <laughs> 20 in the nation, but yeah. when you expected to, uh, have when you expected to win, it was definitely disappointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then what was your junior and senior year like? Um, so... I feel like there's more to the story before I... Okay, yeah, let's go back then. Yeah, yeah <laughs> let's go back. Yeah, so um, I stayed um, in a pretty dark place for most of that sophomore cross-country season. Um, and anyone who's gone through depression knows that it mm. doesn't necessarily make sense to an outsider. Yeah. Right. And that, uh, you know, logic, uh, so the logic of the fact that, oh, I would heal... And the logic of the fact, oh, there will be more seasons, really didn't help me feel any better. Um, and so I remember one day, uh, it was uh, kind of, we have this long walk from our locker rooms to the training room across the track. And, uh, you know, on really cold days, it can be kind of miserable. But on warmer days, if you're with a teammate after, you know, after a tired after kind of a long day of training or a long day of uh, cross training um, it can be a, a great time to share share some moments with a teammate and so one of my uh, one of my uh, teammates is actually Callie Dent who is another member of Grace um, she you know took some time she slowed down and walked across the field with me as I was kind of you know limping limping along with my hurt foot and she uh, told me that our world is a little bit like a cross-stitch. And we see that cross-stitch from the bottom, where there's lots of knots and ties and hanging loose threads, and things just don't make sense. The picture is really blurry, um, and you, you don't always know what uh, kind of what the cross-stitch is going to look like from the back. Um, but that God sees the cross stitch from the other side, this beautiful picture that's all come together and um, all these knots and ties on the back kind of make sense when you look at it from the front. And that's very cliche, <laughs> but um, it was enough to make me realize how much Callie loved me for me and how mm. much she wanted uh, me to, to get better um, and to just have joy again. And that spurred further conversation, and she invited me to Athletes in Action with her. And Athletes in Action is a Christian group uh, for student-athletes, and uh, there's a chapter at Michigan. And that was kind of my reintroduction to 
Christian fellowship and Christian community. Um, and as I mentioned before, I hadn't lost my faith. Like, I still was saved, and I still knew Jesus was my Savior. But in not having community, I realized I was missing out on the benefits of faith, mm-hmm. um, the benefits of faith here in this world. Yeah. And um, joining Athletes in Action and kind of going to those meetings weekly really helped um, – really helped uh, me find purpose um, purpose outside of running because I had this community of fellow believers who um, understood that I had value and worth besides um, besides my running and I had people who would you know talk to me about things their fir- their first their opening conversations with me wouldn't necessarily be about running and um, it would and that just you know opened up a whole new world of of worth and identity for me, and it really helped me uh, describe myself in different terms and see myself a little more in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when I started looking for a church home here in Ann Arbor, and I had some friends who went to Grace's old 5 o'clock service, and I found that that could work with morning Sunday morning practices on Sundays, um, and it was also just a great way to build more fellowship with more believers um, at that Grace 5 p.m. Sunday service, and that's kind of um, that's that's kind of my my athletic story. Just where I, um, you know, went through this devastating depression, and the only thing that truly got me out of it was finding was was finding Christian community mm-hmm. because that allowed me to put my identity in something besides running, and um, it just totally totally changed my world and. I did continue to suffer from injuries from uh, from overtraining through the rest of my college career, but I was able to look at them in a different light mm. because I knew um, I had this bigger worldview um, of how God saw me and how time kind of h- how how uh, and how time would pass and. Um, Having having the love of my community and identity at something else made the injuries easier to bear, and I wasn't um, wasn't depressed when I had had that uh, had that alternative. I think um, uh, again, I, I th- very few people have sort of engaged with athletics on the level that you have, but I think it there are lots of us who find our identity in something. And when that's taken away, you know, for whatever reason, like the feeling of sort of feeling uh, like unmoored or unanchored, suddenly adrift in terms of your identity. I think there are some people I know that I can uh, absolutely relate to that and how confusing and alarming and um, depressing that can like absolutely feel. How how quickly do you did how quickly were you able to sort of mentally get back on track? Um, how long did it take you to sort of start to feel like your old self again in some ways? It was definitely, um, it wasn't a, you know, blink of the eye process. It was constant engagement in prayer and with community, asking God to change my heart. Mm. Um, and it was something that I, could be measured in weeks and months and seeing a change in um, my emotions and my feelings and my, you know, the desires of my heart 
rather than, you know, a split second yeah. come to God. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that's a little more profound, to be honest, um, because I think it shows that God is really, you know, rewiring my heart. Yeah. Rewiring things, you know, takes time. It's not something that uh, just magically happens. And yeah. so, yeah, it's definitely definitely took place over over the course of months. Yeah, and I know that, um, and I've been pretty um, honest about my own mental health struggles on this podcast. But sometimes those things those those are only seen in hindsight, where it's kind of like you look back and like, oh, I don't feel that way anymore. Like I or I remember that this happening y- would have made me do X, Y, and Z, or feel X, Y, and Z. And the fact that I don't feel that way right now, it's like, oh, I think I think things are getting better. Like, I think, I think we're starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I remember, I specifically remember a night my sophomore year um, before the Big Ten Championships where I was just lying in anguish in bed, just so overrun with thoughts of, hating myself and um, disappointing myself where I was just, you know, thrashing it mm. back and forth in bed all night and probably slept, you know, a total of 15 minutes um, and just how terrible I felt, just like the most worthless thing to have, or have ever existed. I never wanted to kill myself, but I definitely wa- wish I wished I had never been born um, and just terrible thoughts of, of hatred for myself. And kind of fast forward to... Um, a couple injuries down the road. Um, I remember, you know, also lying awake in bed um, about to miss a competition I didn't want to miss. But um, I remember, (laughs) I just remember that looking back at that night, that miserable night and being like, wow, I'm, I'm sad right now, but I, I, I feel God telling me Mm. I have worth and that I am made Mm. in his image. And, that was just something I could not have even fathomed uh, my sophomore year. And it was really, really cool to look back at that. And then I slept all night. (laughs) That's that's amazing. So now you're in med school. And I know before we started recording the podcast, you were just telling us a little bit about your journey through med school. And and we've talked about how these resurrection stories is not a once and done thing. Um, what's what's life like in med school now? What are the challenges and what are the joys and what what are some of the lessons that you took from the athletic uh, your your season of running that uh, that might inform you uh, in this in this season? Yeah. So um, in med school, I have learned that um, it's not just running I place my identity in, and yeah. that God wants to. Um, God wants to, you know, probe everything in my life and have my only source of identity be him. And so med school has really revealed to me that I place a ton of identity into performance and evaluation and grades. Um, I kind of always knew I had that flavor about me, but running was really the number one thing. And so um, I didn't uh, didn't quite as clearly see <laughs> how much grades controlled my life, mm-hmm. um, but once uh, once med school and became the priority over running, I uh, started to really feel the pressure of performance. Clinical year of med school is, uh, for me at least, <laughs> was really tough. You work, you know, sixty hours a week, and then you come home 
and you have to study for these hugely important exams. And that entire time you're at work, you're being graded by interns and residents and attending physicians. And every single interaction you have is something that can be graded and evaluated and can theoretically affect um, your entire future career. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just, you feel like you constantly are under the thumb of the thumb of everyone and uh you're paying to do it (laughs) (laughs) paying for the privilege (laughs) oh boy and uh so yeah med school really revealed to me how how much i didn't how much of my worth i place in my performance and how small it can make you feel Mm. when you get an evaluation that you know doesn't doesn't you know meet your expectations and how just a single negative or just so-so comment can uh, rip the floor out from beneath you and leave you feeling worthless. Yeah. I mean, again, and this is when I, when I talked about foreshadowing, I mean, the parallels are, are at least to me feel really clear, which is that you're, um, you're, you like excel at everything you do. And so it can it that's it can be so easy then to make that your identity and keeping those two things separate in terms of like how God has gifted you and what you're passionate about and what you're able to achieve versus your identity. Man, that line can be really hard to keep in mind. And it happened when you were a runner and and you're kind of describing that it it you feel that same tendency now that you're in a completely different context but your ability to excel and be the best at everything it very quickly spirals into this like core part of of who you are or your tendency to tell yourself that that is sort of the core of who you are how are you how are you how, like again like sung asked how are you navigating that in light of what you learned as a runner uh for a while i navigated it very very poorly to be honest i um uh, you know, you'd think that if I were actually good at, at this, I would have learned my lesson the first time around. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I certainly did not. Um, you know, kind of coinciding with the pandemic and a really tough year of school, I again found myself uh, shirking my my community, my Christian community. Um, I stopped making community group a priority. I stopped. Um, going to, uh, I stopped, you know, trying to specifically request Sundays off, um, and I, uh, you know, just stopped, stopped having that really strong community, and I blamed it on other things for a while, including, you know, well, I have to study because there's just not enough time in, in a week, and, uh, you know, the pandemic is making things hard, both of which were true, but, um, they were definitely stretches of the truth, Mm. uh, and, the more I lost community, the more I l- forgot who my identity was in Christ, and the more I forgot that I am made in God's image, and because of that, I am worthy. And um, so the more that a negative or just so-so evaluation would just ruin me. Mm. Did you, did you, were you, were you essentially, uh, maybe this is a stretch, but were you essentially like overtraining again? Like in that year, like <laughs> like studying at all hours, and w- like was that part of how you dealt with it? Yeah, I would listen to podcasts, uh, educational podcasts, uh, 
every single time I worked out, every every time I, I you know, commuted from one place to another, um, I was, any down moment I'd be doing questions, um, definitely overdoing things. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> again, I, I, like, again, I, I get it. Um, so how, so now you're sort of in a similar spot. Um, mentally, again, even though the, the circumstances are different, how do you find your way back to a place of health? <sighs> to be honest, it was another, uh, you know, evening of anguish and in deep spiritual prayer, and then God sending someone into my life to uh, help me totally reframe. I had a patient um, uh, at the VA who was just this wonderful wonderful man who just kind of had this unconditional positive regard for everyone he met and um, was lucky enough to be assigned to his team. And uh, I was really feeling uh, around that time that I was under the thumb of evaluation and spent a long night in prayer and just struggling. And the next morning I kind of come in to, um, to this patient's room and unsolicited unprompted he tells me god put you here for a reason and this is what you're supposed to be doing and you make my day better mm-hmm. and that was like that was god you know mm-hmm. um uh, why would this man i had never had a single christian uh conversation with bring this up on his own um and just totally rock my world and remind me who I am in Christ, mm. and that um, made me realize that, you know, that's why I, that's why I'm in medicine. That's why um, it is to be, you know, um, an agent of God's grace and love. And it's not to get the best grades. It's not to have the most accolades. Um, it's to to serve Christ and spread the good news, you know, through by serving my community, and. Um, yeah, and that just really helped me <laughs> to remember, okay, I, I need this community. Um, I need to remember who I am and get back into community group, get back to going to church, and that's the only place where I'm going to have a stable identity. So it's funny that um, I didn't even realize the parallels <laughs> um, until, uh, at least as strongly until I just mentioned them here. <laughs> I mean, the thing that is so fascinating about your interaction with that patient is that he wasn't even saying, you know, so you're in medicine. He wasn't even saying you're fixing me or making me better. It's kind of like your role as a medical professional was a- and like healing him was not even the thing that he was bringing up. He was essentially saying like your presence, like who you are, your state of being makes my day better. And that is like again, that's where you, that line exists between your expertise and your ability to execute and perform versus your value, which mm-hmm. is that our, our real value is who we are right. as people, our presence in the world, not merely what we can execute. Right, even if you don't contribute anything. I, and I think that's that's the hardest thing to understand about the gospel or even just God's love for us, right? Um, e- even as you're talking, the, the thing that comes to mind is, and this goes harkens back to season two, and I, I know you've listened to all the episodes, but uh, part of me is like, boy, Aaron sounds a lot like an Enneagram three. <laughs> <laughs> Are, do you, have, you, have you taken an Enneagram? So 
I can't take a test because I will make my answers the way they're supposed to be. <laughs> so, yes. so she could pass, right? That's right. That sounds even more like a three. <laughs> so I've read the descriptions, though, and I am the... Uh, yeah, like I'm a textbook, yeah. textbook <laughs> example of a three. Uh, incredibly high performer, yeah. driven by the, by, the, by the pressure and the ability to achieve. Yeah, and, and sometimes I think there's a deep sense, there can be, like if they don't feel valued, a, a deep sense of shame in who they are. And, and just hearing a lot of what you're saying, and, and I think th- this is true for all of us, but more so uh, for people who are threes, and, and I have a lot of three in me too, so I, I get this, but like just how your value and worth outside of anything you do um, or how you perform. Yeah. Like that is a huge thing. And I think the lessons you're learning now are exactly the things that God is trying to teach you. And not even that your identity is in running or in medicine, not even that your identity is in the Christian community, but your identity is in him. Like, because, you know, I mean, we've talked about this at various points too. Christian community, like, it'll fail you. You know, uh, it's the very source of hurt, and it's also the very source of healing that God brings. It's the poison and the medicine. It is. It is, (laughs) right? And and so sometimes you go through seasons of, like, being disillusioned by Christian community. Mm -hmm. And then other times where God just brings the right people. And I think through all of that, um, just hearing your story, Aaron, it's like, yeah, like uh, God is calling all of us back to himself. Like, who, where do we root our, our identity? And what you said, Nate, is so right. Like, especially if you, when you're, you're, you find your, your sweet spot and it's so easy to, f- uh, to start to identify like who I am with your sweet spot. Yeah. And, and that's the danger that that's both the calling that God has for us to, to serve the world um, in in that sweet spot. At the same time, it's a dangerous spot to be like, yep, this is now my idol. Yeah. And, and, and uh, like one of the things about your story, Aaron, that I find so mm, comforting is to see like for, for you to sort of walk through the same cycle again, (laughs) Like, that is the way that God yeah. grows us. Yeah. You know, like, even that, it can be easy to see that as a failure. I once, I was having a conversation with my therapist, and we had been, I'd been meeting with her for a long time, and I was like, why do we always <laughs> end up back at my need to control everything? And she's like, that's kind of how this works. Yeah. Like, these, you keep circling around these issues because that's how God grows us. Like, that's how we grow. And I, so for me, the, the reason I call it a comfort is that it doesn't mean that, like, it doesn't mean that you, that anything is wrong. Right, or that you failed. Right. It's right. like I, the, our hope. And I sung, you actually, uh, you, you, I don't know if you remember this, but you preached a sermon on this years ago where you said our hope is that sort of as these issues, as we come back around, our hope is that we're on a slow ascent mm-hmm. And you're going to come back to the same issues over and over and over again. And our hope is that each time it's a little bit slower around, the, which it sounds like. I mean, you're saying when we were talking, Aaron, you were saying like this has been a process of, um, you know, of like realization over the past weeks and months um, that like it happens a little faster. We sort of catch ourselves and yeah. see God's hand and, and make changes a little bit faster. Yeah, and you recognize it easier, yeah. too. Yeah, and the bad news is, um, it's going to keep happening. The good, <laughs> the, no! but the good news is that right that like that 
it's going to keep happening and that's how God forms us. Yeah. Right. And so part of it is just coming to understand whenever that cycle comes around, it's not like, Oh, why do I have to keep, why, why does God have to keep hitting me with a two by four over the same lesson? Well, that's, that's for every single one of us. Right. Yeah. And, and it's custom fit. Like your issue is going to look a little different than mine. It's going to look different than Nate's, but, but that's what happens to every single human being. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that's the good news because God is sovereign and it's because of his love, his amazing love for us that he does this, which we sometimes feel like, oh, maybe God doesn't love me because I just keep failing at this, yeah. but that's not true. Well, and even in our, in our last episode, when we were talking to uh, Chris and Rachel, mm-hmm. they sort of went through this process of, a, of um, infertility and then adoption. And now they're still back in adoption. There's it like yeah. the, it, that issue continues to be a central part of how God is growing them and how they're engaging in the world. So yeah. uh, again, it for me, it just is, uh, th- it's a strange sort of comfort to hear your story. Yeah, um, it is. You know, one thing I does it, yeah, I'm sorry, you go ahead. I, I was going to ask Aaron if it feels like a no, comfort to ahead. you yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, do, or do you feel, does it suck? <laughs> I, I'd say both. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, it reminds me a lot about how God's mercies are new every morning. Yeah. And um, what a beautiful lesson it is to learn that I am made in the image of God, of the creator of the universe, and um, and that I am worthy because I am made in his image and not because of things I've done. And when I really, truly learn that lesson again and again and again, um, I am so at peace mm. and just so much more, I think, of the the human God wants me to be. And it's really, really cool to have gone through the valley and to uh, be on the other side of it and really feel that peace. And so um, to be able to feel that again and again and again is definitely a blessing. Mm. Yeah, that makes me think of uh, the quote from St. Augustine. He says, uh, um, you're not, uh, I'm going to screw it up, but um, let me think. He says, you're not, um, God doesn't love you because you're lovable. You are lovable because God mm. loves you. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that switch is, th- is so important because the world will say you are lovable because yeah. you can perform. Yep. And God says, no, no, you are lovable because I love you. And for all of the high performers out yeah. there, like that is, again, it just is a lesson that needs to be learned and relearned and relearned yeah. again. Yeah. Well, Aaron, thanks so much for coming on the show, and thanks for for being an avid listener. You know, the thing I do appreciate is just your uh, not not on Sundays, but through through the podcast. You're you're one of the people who texts in questions, and and uh, I I just remember all the multiple uh, conversations after service where you're asking a question, you're hungry to learn, and um, you're always like, "Oh, sorry to bother you, but man, I I, I love." Um, I, I, I love when, when people like you engage and are curious and, and want to continue to, to excel, whether it's in faith or whatever. Uh, so I just really appreciate you and your presence, and thank you so much for sharing your story here. My pleasure. Thanks for letting me be here. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Rhythms of Grace. Uh, we will see you next week.